Welcome to Showcasing.eu with Pedro Teles. In this series, we'll be putting the spotlight on interesting European technology projects and the people involved with them. The interview of today's show is Keith Blunt, founder of Literature and Latte and the lead developer of the Mac application with the name Scrivener. Hi, Keith. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pedro. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Well, the first the first question that I have to you for you, uh, Keith, is to know what what took a teacher a school teacher to become a full-time software developer? Okay. Um, basically, I'd always got dreams of, of writing a novel. And um, so in my spare time, when I was teaching, I used to kind of scrawl lots of ideas and um, try and write in my spare time. Um, and while I was doing that, I kind of had a, the idea for my perfect program. I was, I was very, I'm very disorganized in uh, in writing. So what I used to do was I'd, I'd, be, using, <laughs> I'd be using Microsoft Word. And I'd find that I'd have like about I don't know, dozens of Microsoft Word documents, some containing notes to myself, uh, others with chapters, others with scenes in them. And these would be all over the place, and I'd be trying to work out how to put them together. I, don't, I didn't really work in any kind of particular order. I'd just throw ideas down. And so every time I, I wanted to get them so, some sort of order, I'd be writing spreadsheets in Excel to try and keep track of the scenes or whatever. And, um, and then I'd be writing them down, ideas down in index cards and shuffling those around and then trying to cut, cut and paste things in Word to match the new orders I'd, I'd come up with on index cards or in Excel. And at the same time, before I was teaching, I did, um, I did an MA and a PhD, which I, I didn't finish for PhD, but, but, um, <laughs> but, but I, I, I found the same thing that while, I, while I was trying to organize both my, uh, my MA thesis and the never finished PhD thesis, that um, I worked in the same way, but I'd work in, in, in chunks and rearrange them later until I found, found the final structure. So I kind of had this idea for a piece of software and went out looking for it. And um, so over the years, I was coming up with this idea. And, and eventually, I just decided to have a crack at writing it myself um, when I got my first Mac and saw, saw it got the development tools with it. I thought I'd just have a go at learning. And uh, so it really went from there. So it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't really a planned move it was just it started off as a part-time project and i thought it would just be a hobby but eventually scrivener kind of took off enough for it to become my full-time full-time career so picking up on that um did you have any previous experience in, in programming languages no not i had the last time i programmed really was you know messing around with my zx spectrum when i was like 13 or something <laughs> so so no i hadn't i i i had tried a little dabbling in um in c when i a couple of years younger but that was back when i was um i was using windows and i'd had the idea back then and i, I bought some programming um, programming books on c and c plus plus thinking i'd have a crack at it then and i just I, i got nowhere with it so it was only when i i came to the mac and started looking at objective c and the coco frameworks but i just found them a lot easier to grasp personally and um so now i, I taught myself to program basically to, to to write scrivener when did that happen um that was I've got, uh, let's see. So Scrivener was released 2000, the beginning of 2007. It went into first beta end of 2005. So, oh, I should know, I should know this. I started it just after my son was my son, <laughs> just after my son was born. So it was it was uh, it was 2000. <laughs> so, I remember him being in the pram and buying my Mac. So it was 2004. There we go. So I started it in 2004, and um, then the first beta of uh, Scrivener went out in uh, late 2005. At the time, what did you thought that you were going to achieve with Scrivener? I thought. Um, you mean in terms of where it would go, in terms of people yeah. using it, or um... Um, everything? The people using it, the the the, the features of the oh, software, so... the way that it will be marketed. Right. Well, I, I didn't have any any thought at all about marketing or users really. It was because because I was writing it for myself. 
the idea was to write a piece of software which I really want, wanted and I thought would help with with uh, my writing. I mean, so you're right, so you're scratching your own itch. Yeah, basically, exactly, exactly that. Yeah, and uh, the selling it account was secondary. That was just I figured I'd just if I put it on sale, there might be a few people who might want similar sort of software, might have a similar problem, and I might get a few sales, you know, a bit of extra money for um for sort of my side whilst teaching. So, so the, in terms of features, what I really wanted was um, I wanted to be able to. Uh, rich text formatting so I could just write as I could in a normal word processor or, or I wasn't bothered about having all of the um, word processor functions um, but other than that the main things I, I wanted was a way to I kind of wanted a combination of, of the list that you get in Finder of your files and a text editor so that you could navigate between your files and just have them automatically open in a text editor alongside um, this browser view, which would allow you to um, open your files, which is now Scrivener's binder. And um, along along with that, I wanted to be able to open to more than one document at once in a split pane, so I could refer to other documents. Um, I mean, you can already do that in other programs. Obviously, you can you can put two windows next to each other. But I wanted it all in one interface, and to be able to to bring in any type of research, like um, images and PDF files, so that I could have a, an image in one pane of the software and be writing about that image if necessary, or a PDF file in the other pane. Um, and probably most importantly, I wanted the ability to to break up a long piece of work into lots of small chunks, which could um, Sorry, that was my email there. <laughs> turn that, I'll just turn that program off. We'll ignore that part. So I wanted to break this piece of software and, and break the text down into lots of small chunks and be able to associate a synopsis with each of those chunks. So then I could look at all the synopses on their own in a kind of outline view. Um, and as I reordered the synopses, so, so I could work from this outline and reorder that, and that, that would automatically reorder the, the long draft of text I was working on so that I wouldn't have to keep copying and pasting large chunks but could could work either so I could kind of get an overview of a text and work with that or I could work with the text itself and uh, at the end of the process I could export all of that text or print all of that text as though it was one long document even though I was working on it uh, in a much more fragmentary way so that was kind of what I set out to, out to do with it and um, and thinking about users or marketing that really didn't come into it during the programming stage or the design stage You came up with the idea to, for this piece of software for Scrivener to scratch your niche yep. uh, around uh, five years ago in the middle of the last decade. What has changed in the last few years uh, regarding your company, Literature and Latin? Um, I guess we, well, the main thing, I suppose, is just that we've, we've grown. It went from just being me to begin with for the first, um, first couple of years. And then um, David came on board to help with marketing and, and just taking on board the general um, the contact email address and, 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 and the sales. So there was two of us for a while. Um, and David's an old friend of mine from childhood. So then from there, we got an, another person on, on board to help with support. And we've also started working on a windows version. So we met somebody who was really a big fan of the, of the Mac version who could program in windows and wanted to make a windows version. So uh, the major thing for us at the moment is that we've got this windows version coming out and, Mm -hmm. And obviously, the, the landscape's changed a little bit. The Mac app with the Mac App Store coming out recently. Um, so, so the main thing that's, that's changed for us as a company is just that we've kept developing, and we've, we've, we're now not a one-person company. We're, know, um, depending how, on how you count us, we're a four or five-person company. Uh, so, you're no longer a one-man band. No, not anymore. No, we're, st we're still fairly Indian. We're still a very small company producing very niche software, but only a, you know, we're, we're not that many people have heard of it still. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we're, we're still trying to get it out there a bit more. But yeah, but we've definitely grown a little bit. You've talked about doing a version of Scrivener for Windows. Um, 
how did that come to to bear? Um, well, for, I mean, since I first launched Scrivener, we had quite we've we've always had inquiries about a Windows version. People writing to us and and, and saying you've got to make this for Windows. Um, but I was always being when I was a one man band, I didn't have resources. There was no way because I because I programmed in Cocoa and Objective C, which were the frameworks and programming language that are used for Mac OS X programs. It wouldn't it wasn't a sim there's no simple way of just porting it to Windows. There was no magic switch I could press and have a Windows version. Um and creating a Windows version would have meant starting from scratch and, and programming it completely for Windows. And I'm not a Windows user, so I, I had although you know, you, you might see dollar signs there. There was there was no real impetus for me to because I was still working on software, which I also used and really wanted to enjoy using. Um, but there was no real way for me to go out and create a Windows version. So um, <clears throat> what happened uh, was basically just we we had a few offers, but then we had we some a guy from Australia called Lee who was uh, who was in England who wanted to meet up with us, and um, I went to this meeting with David just to, just to meet up with him and. He wanted to talk to us about possibly developing the Windows version. I wasn't very enthusiastic going into the meeting. I'm kind of, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm cool as I am. I like being indie, I'm, you know. But, uh, but we met him. We really liked him, and he was really enthusiastic. And he clearly was passionate about the software. And we just felt he could do a really good job of it. And so, over the past couple of years, he's gone away and he's been working on that. And um, and he's done an amazing job of it. And uh, it went into into beta last um, last no last October. And we're looking to release that next next month sometime. There's still a bit of tweaking on the interface and things to do, but overall, he's he's, he's done a really solid job of bringing Scrivener to Windows, basically. What are expe expectations for that version? Um, world domination. Basically. World domination. <laughs> no, we don't. We really don't know. I mean, it would be nice if it, it just you know if it, if it does if it becomes as popular on the Windows platform as uh, among writers as Scrivener on the Mac has. I'm, I mean, popular relatively. Obviously, we're not massively well known but we've got a, a good solid base of writers and novelists and academics who who do like using Scrivener on the Mac and and uh, recommend it to others so if we get the same reaction on Windows I mean that was that is our best hope basically our greatest hope is that people embrace it in the same way as as our core user group has on the Mac so um we're just cautiously optimistic we don't really know what's going to happen with it but uh, fingers crossed don't you fear that the magic will be lost somewhat on the on the move from the Mac to Windows. I mean, the platform is completely different. The UI is completely different. The guidelines on how to program and develop um, software are completely different as well. So the experience for the user has to be different. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've said from the outset that what we want to do is, um, is develop Scrivener for Windows, not Scrivener for Mac, ported to Windows. We want it to feel like a Windows application. Mm -hmm. So there will be differences, and it, it, it will hopefully, when it's finished, feel like a good Windows application rather than mm -hmm. a, like a, like a, something that's been ported. And but you know, in, in a way, I think we was a lot. A lot of people, when a lot of software companies, um, especially indie, indie developers, if they want to support two platforms, um, they will use uh, a, a kind of cross-platform. Um, framework which won't well, to, to develop software which won't necessarily look like it belongs to either platform but because i developed mm -hmm. the mac version the mac version is developed from the coco frameworks it's purely mac and because the windows version has been built from the ground up then we've been able to concentrate on making it feel like a windows application so the magic will be lost only from a perspective of a mac user who doesn't like using windows and they go on windows and you know it's a windows application but i think for windows users hopefully they will find it you know all the functionality is there it, it feels like using scrivener 
So I guess it's it's got as much magic, I think, as a Windows application can have. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, I'm a, I'm a Mac user, so I'm biased. <laughs> Speaking about the Mac, and, and more specifically about the recent Mac App Store, uh, you guys have just launched your version of Scrivener for the Mac App Store. How is it going? It's going really well, actually. Yeah, um, it's it's gone a lot better for the first few days than than we we could have hoped, really. So, um, yeah, we've we've got you know we've, we've we've got into the sort of upper upper echelons of the charts in the first few days. I mean, it's, it's you know, we're in a new and noteworthy section, so we've been given a, a boost from that. But yeah, we're, mm -hmm. certainly, we're certainly pleased with the way it's going. Comparing the two versions um, side by side, so the, the version that you sell by yourself on the website and the version for sale on the Mac App Store, mm -hmm. uh, do you reckon that in the long run, uh, the Mac App Store will generate more income for you guys than the the other version, or not? I think that will be a long time coming. I think um, I think the Mac App Store is still building up. I don't think there's it's got a massive customer base at the moment. It's um, I, I yeah I, I think I think because Mac App Store has only been out a couple of months and it's only it's Snow Leopard only, whereas a lot of people have not, mm -hmm. a lot of writers, a lot of our users are still on Leopard and Tiger, so it does limit the number of users that are on there. So I think in the long term, um, I don't know where it's going to go. I, I would assume once Lion comes out, more people upgrade to Snow Leopard or Lion. I think a couple of years down the line, it's, it should have a massive, uh, hopefully a massive, a massive customer base, and hopefully it will do quite well for us. Um, we're cautiously optimistic in, in the, you know, the opening days. I mean, we're in the, in the upper charts at the moment, but I don't, you know, I, I think the customer base is still growing on the Mac App Store. What's the pricing strategy for the Mac App Store? Are you keeping the same price that you're yeah, selling it outside? Yeah, no, we keep it, we, we're keeping it? exactly the same price. I mean, we think it's 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 a fair price for for the program, and we got through to the Mac App Store without having to make any changes to the software whatsoever. So people, you know, apart from the licensing scheme, mm -hmm. um, the way it's the way it's activated, um, so because because it's exactly the same program both on the Mac App Store and off the Mac App Store, it would it would be we can't really sell it at a different price on each. So it's it's just kept at it's forty four ninety nine on the Mac App Store, which is the nearest price point we can have to the forty five dollars we sell it for off the Mac App Store. Don't you fear that the forty four point ninety nine uh, price point on a Mac App Store may um, show up as being a lot more expensive than a lot of software currently available there. I know that on the Mac App Store, the prices have not come as uh, as low uh, as fast, uh, probably, than with the iOS App Store. Yeah, I think I think we are going. I think we're inevitably going to get some complaints that we seem expensive on the Mac App Store, but I don't really want to be involved in the race to the bottom, as they're calling it, on pricing. Mm -hmm. I think we sell our software for a good price. We can't afford to sell it for less, really. If we if we want to deliver good software, good support, um, and can and keep developing that software. We have to sell it at a price we think is fair and which supports us and supports our customers. So, um, so we're not really we're not really interested in, do, in in trying to reduce the price purely to up our up our sales. The sales are absolutely fine there, and this sale it hasn't really impacted our sales off the Mac App Store at the moment. People are people are still buying, and so I think I think most users agree that forty five dollars is a fair price for a piece of software which is is worked on constantly and um, which writers use for many hours every day and I, I know that Mac apps you know on the Mac app store prices have come down quite a lot for a lot of programs but I, I think it's in I do think it's um Apple programs for instance yeah Apple programs I mean they've split up yeah I know when you look at and that is insane when they bring th things like pages down to, to $13 but the thing is that 
for Apple, they're really a hardware company, so they've got this great software. They can afford to bring that, bring the prices down on their software to bring people to their platform and buy their hardware. But we have got one product, Scrivener. We've, we we sell software. And we 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 put all our effort into that. We can't. We haven't. We're not trying to sell anything else using that software. That is what we sell. So we can't really bring it down further. And um, yeah, I I I think keeping it forty five dollars. Um, I mean, obviously we'll we'll keep evaluating that as time goes on and and see what happens. But um, for now, we're just we're just going to carry on with that. And um, I mean, there's, there's still there are still plenty of applications that are more expensive than us and around the same price than us on the App Store, which continue to do well. The Omni Suite, for instance, is all mm-hmm. is all they've all kept their prices as a, as of plenty of other programs. So um, so we're just seeing how it goes. Speaking about Apple, how was the experience of dealing with with them? Through the process of putting your your software on the App Store, um, it was surprisingly fine. Actually, I expected it to be a lot more painful than it was from reading lots of stories about it, but uh, it it was fine. We 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 submitted it. It was it, we got rejected a couple of times um, for minor things. It was because uh, we use Sparkle, but we use Sparkle to update our regular version, for instance. And I just left um, I'd, I'd left a reference to it in the files, for instance. It was it, I'd, I'd taken it out, but I'd missed a part, so we rejected that. And there were a couple of just minor minor things which were which they picked up on, and they were fixed. And then we were through, so it didn't really take it didn't really take too long, and we it was all fairly reasonable. So um, I've got no real complaints on how we, how it went through. I was quite happy. Which is a change from your comments uh, last time that we talked, like I don't know, maybe three years ago. You've posted at the time some blog posts very critical of Apple. You know what? I, and the way I, there, was, there, was, there was one point when I was really upset. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But I, I, need to, I need to be more careful about what I blog, I think, in future. Because what, what happened was a few a few years ago, um, I think the, 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 what that was, was when, I think it was Leopard. Leopard, Leopard yeah. What yeah. happened was um, at WWDC, they released a developer preview of Leopard, and they didn't make it. And they always make they've always they've always made their developer previews of their of their operating systems. As long as you're as long as you're paying as a paying developer to their um, to their Mac developer program, they've always made them available to you all the developers at a certain point. And that year they made um, the preview version available um, only to people who'd attended WWDC. And everyone else got it about a month or so later, and this was about three months before it was being shipped. So everybody who hadn't gone to WWDC was a whole month behind everybody who had. So I, I was, yeah, I, I did spit. Yeah, I was, I, I was quite upset then. Uh, but I, that was a mistake. I, I, I posting a, a blog and, and moaning. I've, mm-hmm. I've since found isn't isn't a great thing. So oh, you get you just get lots of customers worried of saying, oh, you hate Apple. Are you going to ditch? You're going to stop programming Scrivener. You're going to stop support for it and go for Windows or something. And um, that was never the case. I was just having a little bit of a hissy fit because I was uh, I was a month behind everybody else. And because obviously I'd love to go to WWDC, but it, it happens. And I, you know, I'm West Coast in America, and I can never um, I can never make it. So one day I'm going to make it, but we'll see. Did you get a phone call from Steve Jobs? No, no. I'm still waiting for that day. I <laughs> I keep waiting. Every time a phone goes, I think maybe maybe we've made it. Maybe he's noticed us now. But um, one day we can keep. One day we'll we can do keep it. dreaming. Yeah. Uh, still on the Apple topic. Um, so far, you've just developed software for for the Mac. 
you have any plans on, on doing something for iOS, like a Scrivener version or, or something? Uh, this, keeps, this comes up quite a lot, actually, so, and we certainly don't rule it out. At the moment, um, although we've expanded a little bit, our, our resources have gone towards the, the Windows version and continuing support for the Mac version. Um, we're certainly interested in doing an iPad app. There's certainly a lot of people interested, and it's just a matter of basically IO, who, who, um, who does our support, our Mac support, He's kind of interested in designing it. He's got a really good eye for design. He helps me out with a, with a lot of ideas and, and des design features in, in Scrivener and picks up anything that I, I get wrong there. So he really wants to, well, well I, I really wanted him to have a go at, at designing this. But with with Scrivener 2 coming out, we've just been so busy, we just haven't had the resources to really look into it. And there are, there are other factors as well, um, because the iPad doesn't fully support rich text at the moment. I know that Pages has got it, and I think Docs to go, but they have to. They're providing rich text by building it from the ground up, and so it's you need quite a lot of development resources if you're going to build a really solid rich text engine. And because Scrivener is rich text, then it means you're going to be syncing plain text to rich text, and you're going to lose formatting. And we we've got around that. We've got we've got some really good sync features to go back and forth with the iPad and, and iPhone. We've got we've got a sync with external folder feature, which allows you to sync with um, notebooks and um, and plain text and um, IA writer and various other. And we can sync to Simple Note, and we we can sync to index cards on the iPad, which is you know allows you to move index cards around in a, in a kind of similar interface to Scrivener. So we've got lots of options for people who want to take their work from Scrivener and work on the iPad and an iPhone for the interim. But um, yeah, we don't rule it out. It's something something we're certainly interested in. We just haven't really had the resources or time to investigate it or put it, it would be a big job and we'd want to get it right basically we'd want to we'd want to really think about because it's a whole new interface and you can't just port scrivener to the ipad it would need completely rewriting from scratch because they're different although there's you know the underlying they both use coco they've got some similar underlying frameworks but the interface frameworks are all different and it would really need really thinking out how you could take that and put it on this touch interface which is a whole different different ballpark to to using a mouse and uh, the screen real estate and things, so it's it involves a lot of more future thought basically. Do you think that the iPad is actually suited to word processor programs to writing stuff? Um, <laughs> see, I don't. I, <laughs> you know, I was going to say this. <laughs> that's an awkward question. Sorry. No, that's fine. No, um, so you could tell I was hedging my bets before. I personally don't like using the iPad for writing, and this is another, to me, this is another reason I haven't we haven't really gone ahead and just jumped into developing a program for the iPad. I know lots of people love it, and I know lots of people enjoy writing notes on the iPad, and I think it's fine. And I've I, you know I've seen TV programs where Richard Dawkins got has got like his iPad plugged into a little external keyboard in the corner, and um, so I know I know there are people people using it that way, but I personally don't and wouldn't because my macbook air does everything i could want in in that regard and more it's nearly as light as the ipad it's it, i can i can run any software the top the keyboard is far better i can have it on my lap uh, with the key with a decent keyboard so i don't i don't personally think the ipad makes a great 
word processing platform or a great platform for doing the sort of work which Scrivener is geared towards because Scrivener is really about concentrate, concentrating on a big text and manipulating a big text and moving it around. Whereas I think the iPad is perfect if you've got a, a few notes you want to take down. There's loads of great little text editing programs out there, the sort that Scrivener does already sync with, that you can take notes down and easily get them to your computer. And there are lots of great programs like Index Cards or, um, or Fin Outline or whatever it's called, where you can you can outline ideas and then get them back to your, your main computer. But I don't think it's I don't think it's suitable for for actually working on a massive text project. I think it's more a note taking um, platform, if it's that at all. I mean, I, I mainly use my iPad for, for browsing and, and, and media consumption, really. It's, it's like it's on my coffee table for browsing IMDb when I want to know who the actors are in the films I'm watching. So, yeah, so I've got mixed mixed thoughts about that. I think I think it's useful for note taking. I don't know how useful it would be for a major application like Scrivener, but people are very enthusiastic about it. So I'm clearly in the minority. So taking again a run check on that one. Yeah, basically. <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell. Going back to the start of, of the interview, um, a point that I'd like to to touch uh, before we close it is the novel. <laughs> you said that you started you, you started develop, developing Scrivener so that you could actually could actually write the novel. Yeah. Did you finish it? Nope. <laughs> Still working on it. It's a work in it's a work in, in ongoing process basically. <laughs> it's, the thing is, I I, I sit and I I'll, uh, I'll be working on my, my novel. This is the other thing. So I I do find that Scrivener has everything I want to for working on on my novel, and and I've you know I've, I've worked on some, some short stories in it, and I've I've, I've worked on more I've got I've got more done in it than I ever managed before but at the same time the trouble with being the programmer is I'll be sitting there I think writing writing and I'll be thinking I could just, just if I could just do this I'll just go and code this and then then I'll be able to come back and then it will be perfect for writing my novel yeah. so yeah. it's I can, I can only ever see the flaws in the tool I'm using and the things that need fixing as I'm writing my novel but um one day one day I'm determined to get on our own published author's page so Basically, you're using you're using Scrivener as a massive procrastination tool <laughs> to avoid actually writing. It has the been novel. the biggest procrastination tool ever, but it, it didn't start out that way. But I do I do use Scrivener every day for for writing my novel and for writing <laughs> what it is <laughs> the ever changing novel. And uh, and I use it for keeping all my development notes on Scrivener as well. So it's um I'm I constantly use Scrivener. It's just um I just hope to finish something one day. I, I hope to, I hope to finish. You know, beyond about ten or fifteen thousand words, before, be, be, without thinking, oh my god, this is just this prose is just dire. I want to kill myself. No, but um, one day, one day we'll do <laughs> yeah. it. Speaking about long-term projects, uh, I have actually have to thank you for helping me finishing my PhD last oh, year. Uh, yeah, because on, on on the last few chapters, I actually used Scrivener a lot um, to get the first draft down afterwards of course i've got i had to to import the text into a, a proper text editor <laughs> <laughs> do you have a final layout yeah. <laughs> to have the final to layer the final yeah, layout that is and, the idea. Uh, it's the first drafting tool yeah yeah and sort out you know the the footnotes and everything that you need to do on a, on a pg in law uh, but i mean but did you, for the did first you draft feature in scrivener and then export them so they become real footnotes or did you do it all separately um i've tried to use it and uh, honestly I always get it wrong. Oh no! Um, Was this in yes, Scrivener yes, One yes. or Scrivener Two? Uh, Scrivener One and Two. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yes, can we cut? I'll explain Let's edit this bit. Let's edit this bit. Keith, our half an hour is reaching its end, okay. and I just have a couple of questions okay. to to pose you before before we wrap up. Uh, the first one is future plans for you and Scrivener. Oh, right. Okay. Well, obviously, in the, in the short term, it's just getting getting Windows version out there and getting that as polished as possible. Um, following that, I'll, I'll be continuing to refine the Mac version and we'll be continuing to refine the Windows version. We haven't really started thinking about a version 3 yet because version 2 has only just come out. I mean, been, uh, our version 1 had three years lifespan and I expect version 2 will have uh, two years lifespan, something like that. So um, the next big thing is I'm going to be working on getting Apple Script support into Scrivener for version 2.1, hopefully, so that people can can write their own scripts and get Scrivener to integrate with different applications more. So that's the next big thing on my list. And also to get it localized. At the moment, it's only available in English. We really want to get it into, for, to begin with, French, Spanish, and German, and then on to other languages as well. Uh, the last question that I, have, that I have for you today, Keith, is okay. how was developing a, a new business idea, in this case, developing software in Europe. So it's a fragmented dark market. Uh, you have your own market, in this case, a British one. Uh, but how was the process of doing it? And you consider, did you consider doing it somewhere else? Um, well, it wasn't really a, it wasn't really a, a factor or, or really a consideration of doing it anywhere else, just purely because um, I was teaching when I first developed it. But um, it's been the great thing about doing an online, running an online business is that you don't really feel like you're running a European business or a British business because most of our customers are American. And um, then after that, it's the European customers of the second biggest biggest uh, customer base. So um, it's, it hasn't been a problem. So no, we wouldn't really consider doing it any, anywhere else because we're absolutely fine. We can, we can run it. We have, we have got um, an American working for us or, or contr does, does contract work for us and uh, uh, doing support. But it's running a, an online business. I don't think it really matters where you run it from. Um, so my my only my only problems with doing doing it in Europe are being in, particularly where I am now in Cornwall. Is if only they would lay down some fast broadband, that would be brilliant. But other than that, I I've got no complaints about doing it. Any. <laughs> Someone actually living in Wales at the moment. I fully support your comment on. The same in Wales. British broadband. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I know. When every time every time Apple bring out some new service or or, or drop um CDs for something. So for instance, recently uh, the only way of getting um we to download a, a, a OS, you know, Lion. If I want to upgrade to Lion, I have to do that from the Mac App Store. And um they stopped sending out. They used to send out DVDs to developers with their, all their software on. I mean, it's all download only now. And so every time I get a link to a gigabyte of updates, I'm just like, oh, well, that's another day of downloading then. Um, <laughs> where, and you know that a lot of American customers are able to download that really quickly. And it's a real shame that we haven't caught up in this country. But um, again, one day, hopefully. Which was a quite, kind of sour okay. note to end on, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a great brilliant. note to end anyway. It's because... <laughs> Sorry. Well, because it's 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 a great it's a great uh, way to end an interview because it's actually true. It's a problem that we face here in 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 the UK. Broadband outside the main centers, um, let's say the big cities. Yeah. Well, it's just dreadful. No, it is. It is. I used to live in London, and we had. I was just so used to having fast fast broadband. I didn't even think about it. But coming down here, it's just 
slowed to a crawl. It's just, um, yeah, it, it does need addressing. And hopefully over the next few years, they're talking about it. So let's let's hope that it does improve. Okay, Keith, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for, for having me. It's been really nice talking to you.